1: only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. Amy, I would
0: say that one of the questions we get the most often on the What Fresh Hell Facebook page is how do I parent differently than I was parented? That like the difference between creating a home when you've had really good parenting modeled to you and the difference between creating a home where maybe you weren't as happy with your childhood, it seems to really stick out to people. We've talked to some guests about what we call ACEs experiences as children. That's adverse childhood experiences. And so I wanted to revisit this episode, especially since people over the holidays, they visit with family and they spend time with their family of origin. And I think it brings up for all of us, people who had pretty good childhoods, awesome childhoods, not so great childhoods, the idea of what am I doing by default just because this is the
1: way it was done in my household growing up. That's right. And so I think this episode is worth revisiting because what I learned as we were talking through this is that the looking at the patterns that you grew up with, is worthwhile, even if your childhood was relatively conflict-free, if you had a family where everybody smiled and hugged and didn't talk about hard stuff, and maybe it didn't feel like there was hard stuff. It's still worth examining that because there are still patterns there that underlie the way you do things that you start to think are default have to be this way, but it's really just the way you did them. It's, it's, you know what I'm saying? That like there is a default setting. Absolutely.
0: And this conversation we talk about at some point that David Foster Wallace uh, article that I love called This Is Water. And it's like the trick of it is acknowledging what you're doing and really looking at what you're doing and saying, am I doing this because it's what I want to be doing, because it's the right thing to be doing, Or am I operating in certain ways just because it's my default? And listen, we're all busy as moms. There's a reason why we do this, you know? We don't always have time to step out of our lives and say, let me break down why these things might or might not be working for me. But I do think at a time where we are visiting with family, it can be a good time to sort of think about these issues of, hmm, what about this is happening? And it's just the water that I'm in and I don't realize it. And what about it is happening because I'm making the choice. And then for people who really do want to make a break with their family of origin and how they were parented, it's maybe even more useful to really think about like, how do I, how do I break
1: some patterns? Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad we're re-upping this one. I think it was a really good one. I hope you all enjoy it. Thanks for listening. We are definitely messing our kids up. What fresh hell? Laughing in the
0: face of motherhood. There's no such thing as a normal person. With Margaret Apples and Amy Wilson. Let's not make a scene at the funeral by having
1: tears. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. You don't have to join a cult. Hello, everyone, and welcome to What
0: Fresh Hell? Laughing in the face of motherhood. This is Margaret.
1: And this is Amy. And today we're talking about breaking patterns when you want to do things differently than some other people did.
0: Amy, should we start by breaking our pattern of not doing mailbag by starting with a mailbag? Yes.
1: Do you have a mailbag? I do. (laughs) Okay, great. Funny you should ask. Mailbag. This week's mailbag is from Instagram. Kayla wrote in to say, I was listening to your grudges held, grudges kept episode, and you all talked about clicking something techie, like, you know, click on the link. My husband just roasted me so hard this weekend on a road trip because I kept telling my kids what to click on the tablet. Apparently, there is no more clicking. You tell them to touch or tap the icon. Hashtag back in my day. Kayla closes. I'm 31. <laughs> so thanks Kayla for letting us know clicking you're right click the link but wait a minute Uh,
0: let me push back on that as you like to say Amy yeah my mouse still makes a little satisfying
1: clicky sound when I click on a link well hello you're old because you use a mouse probably I mean that's what they'd say like if you're not like using your google glasses you're old I don't know I guess not
0: tap or touch Amy, I'm bitter about that. I have to break my pattern, Amy. I have to break my pattern of saying clicking and instead say touch or tap. Yes. So that I don't sound like an oldie lock. I don't think that's the only giveaway to my oldie lock status, if I'm being
1: honest. No, 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 no. We're not starting there. I believe there are some other hints that I might be old. Also, strictly speaking, that really is just a, it's a behavior, not a pattern. Okay. Just to give you the definition. First, I'm going to give this definition because it's really good. And then I'm going to tell you where I got this, which is also really good. So patterns. I like this sort of sorting mechanism. Pattern is something that your family had or has that has negative consequences, even if it looks okay from the outside. If it has a negative consequence to others, this behavior, then that's a pattern. If it doesn't really matter to other people, then it's a behavior. Like We're calling that clicking. It's a behavior. It's not a pattern. It's not bothering you, Kayla's husband. Well, couldn't patterns also be positive though? Or were you just saying in the context we're
0: talking about? Well, this is in the excavating
1: your family's pain, which gets to...
0: Got it. Okay, because I was going to say, like, couldn't you just have a pattern of, like, always making delicious
1: cookies? Like, isn't that also a pattern? Sure, that would be a behavior, but you're not unpacking that an eight-day retreat in the woods. So this came from... (laughs) Am I going to be unpacking stuff? I was not warned that this was going to involve unpacking. Yeah, I hope you brought stuff to unpack. So I always, just to give you a little backstory, when I do research for these episodes and I find somebody, if it's a good, seems like a good quote, seems like a good article, I always do a little work. Like I always make sure this person shows up, is affiliated with a university, has written articles, you know, has done something besides this article.
0: Friends, Amy is really, she's working here behind the scenes. Don't just think she shows up on this mic. She double checks. You know, I go down a rabbit hole and make sure this person is a real person. So anyway. Yeah, she doesn't do what so many of us do, which is give equal weight to like the head of the CDC and like Elfman162 on Twitter. She actually (laughs) figures out if the person
1: knows what they're talking about. Unless he's an epidemiologist. That's right. Well, so in this case, this came from an article on Goop.com about breaking family patterns. I'm skeptical, but continue. And Right. Okay. And it was quoted by somebody who is the head of something called the Hoffman process. And I'm like, okay, have never heard of the Hoffman process. I'm also a little dubious of goop.com, jade eggs, etc. Goop.com. We know there have been some problems there. So I did a little dive on the Hoffman process. It turns out it's a cult. It's basically a cult. <laughs> what? If you scratch the surface, it's all people like, whatever you do, don't let your partner go to the Hoffman process. They came home after you go for eight days and you have to wear signs and stuff that like say like... You know, I was never loved, middle child. It's uh, Nine Perfect Strangers, yeah. It's Nine Perfect Strangers, exactly. And you come home and you're like, well, I'm going to upset the apple cart of my life because, you know, I desire meaning. So I guess it's a cult. And this has never happened to me before that I got good advice that turned out to be from something that seemed like a cult. It came up twice researching this episode. But like, well, that seems sound. Oh, it's a cult, sorry. So (laughs) I think it's because childhood wounds, a very special kind of thing we search to fix all our lives. Well, having lived for a long time in California, there's
0: also a lot of like California speak that is legit, but also very mm-hmm. California, right? Like the whole, now you hear people use the phrase inner child non-ironically. I mean, not me, but some people, you know, and I feel like some of these kind of goony goo-goo ideas, they start with like California therapy speak, but they may or may not have valid underpinnings,
1: Right. But it is. I mean, it it is a thing, though, right, that we have childhood patterns that shape our behavior. Like, that's not the part that's a little goony goo goo. It's just maybe what you do with that and how you let that shape where you are in your life. And can you make other decisions? Well, see this. Now you're talking, Amy,
0: because I think. Okay. I'm going to make a very broad statement that I don't even totally agree with, but I tend to be team people can't change. They can change their behaviors, but they can't change
1: their patterns. That's my belief. That you sound like the poet Philip Larkin. I'm going to give you a little a poetry for your day. I have to change one of the words. Wow. You're all over the place. Your cults, your poems. I mean, where are we going in this episode? But this is the stuff of deep search for meaning. So Philip Larkin is a british poet he wrote a poem called this be the verse i'm going to change one word see if you can guess what word i'm changing they mess you up your mom and dad they may not mean to but they do they fill you with the faults they had and add some extra just for you that's enough i'll leave it there how do you feel about that They may not mean to, but they do. I'm like, yeah, that's it. Like, this is universal. P.S., we're doing it, too. Like, we are definitely messing our kids up despite our best intentions in ways that they'll be talking about in 20 years.
0: There was a a Christmas years and years ago where we were gifted a book. I'm going to use your uh, switch out word called They Mess You Up comma, the family. And it was stories about people who'd been very messed up by their families. Yeah, it's universal. For sure. And this is also something we've talked about. I know we talked about it with Dr. Christine Coe on the podcast. And I think this is something that we've seen reflected in the group quite a bit, especially people who come from childhoods that they feel were toxic or very much had negative patterns. That how do you break a cycle when it's kind of all you know. Yes. And I think that and I've definitely seen it in friends of mine and in my own family, people who had extraordinarily difficult childhoods who've gone on to raise functional families. The other thing I will argue is that fundamentally everyone has an operating system. There's no such thing as a normal person or a functional person. Or a perfect childhood. Or a perfect childhood. Right. That you are always working in some sort of familial construct. And that's just what it is. Like if I'm anxious and my husband's overly laid back, that's imparting on our children in certain ways that like some of our children may be underreactive to stuff and some may be overreactive to stuff. And I find now that my kids are tweens that we're having a lot of conversations where one of them, and this is just a very tweeny thing that I remember doing myself. You know what I'm realizing about myself? I'm quoting my child here. (laughs) You know what I'm realizing about myself? (laughs) Through the Hoffman process? (laughs) Sometimes I feel sad, but it's not connected to anything that happened. It's just, I just
1: feel sad. Okay, so what your kid is doing, this is blowing my mind, because your kid is realizing something that we don't have the capacity to do when we're younger than your kids are now. Which is? So Karen Young, psychologist Karen Young says the reason why these messages are so powerful and they're things we spend the rest of our lives trying to undo and unpack and, you know, go to retreats about whatever is that these messages are planted before we discover our capacity to challenge and reject them. They're messages about ourselves that we accept as true. And when kids get to be as old as your kids are now, that's when they're like, hey, right? Hmm. I have this feeling, but that feeling isn't me. I can choose another path, right? Just because dad yells at me doesn't mean I'm a bad kid. But that doesn't kick in until, I don't know, 10, 12. I mean. Right. You're coming to it later. You're coming to it later.
0: And just for the record, my kid did not say, you know, it was not related to my husband yelling at him. It's okay. You can tell us. It's fine. Uh, Just to be clear. But I also sometimes want to say to my kids, yeah, that's everybody, by the way. Like everybody feels sad for no reason sometimes, but they, you're right. They're coming to it. I was just listening to an interview with Katie Turr. And she had a crazy family story. I don't remember what it is, but she just wrote a book called Rough Draft. Maybe we'll see if we can get her on the podcast. And she the book is fascinating. And it's about she grew up, her parents were helicopter reporters in L.A., like kind of like wild, like bought a helicopter and like just started driving around. And like her mom would lean out the side with a camera and her dad would like fly it around. And like sometimes they were in the back. (laughs) And um, she talks about her father, who has since transitioned and is now a woman during their childhood, being extremely verbally and at times physically abusive and being also extremely uh, aggressive as a reporter. And that when she first started reporting, the police would say like, OK, this is where the press has to say," And she'd be like, oh, I just walk over the barrier and start screaming at people and being like, uh, get out of my way, copper. <laughs> and, like, and like people were like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, you don't do that. Like, you're going to lose your press bat. You're going to. But it was interesting that, like. In the very specific, she had learned her job from her parent. And then she had also learned a lot that she sort of unpacks in the book about, obviously, like the patterns of abuse and violence that she grew up with
1: in her household. Wow. That sounds really. Yes.
0: Fascinating. But that certain of those examples, like this is not how you behave as a reporter, are behavior fixable, right? You don't get in every cop's face and say, like, I'm not standing here. I'm going right up to the president. You know, like, you know, you can't actually do that. Some of the other stuff is a little more complicated to unpack.
1: Yeah. And you don't see it takes you years to see that it's wrong. I mean, I was not talking about your family before, of course, when I was saying that that your husband yells at your kids. But, you know, some dads and some moms yell at kids. And you do internalize the message that the thing that they're yelling at you for is justified. I mean, you must have done something. You must have done something to make your parents split up or make your dad, you know, scream at you, whatever. And Karen Young has a thing that she says about toxic families that would have this sort of feeling at, that you sort of brace because you know, like something bad is going to come sooner or later and you can't see it coming because you can't when you're a kid and you can't because it's not your fault as the kid. Something bad's going to come. You have to brace yourself against it and the environment that you're in doesn't feel safe. And so your need for control escalates the things that you can control. And then, right. you know, 30 years later, you're a very controlling adult who needs to get to the airport four hours ahead of time, and because you can control it. And it all goes back to these messages that you receive before you're able to sort of query them before you're able to make your own decisions. Right, they're imprinted. I was reading another memoir about
0: another abusive situation it wasn't Kitty Turse but And there was a line in it where it was about an abusive relationship. And this person said, like, I would feel almost a sense of relief when like the actual abuse, like the hitting started because I was like, it's over now. The good part's coming because like afterwards, it was all like apologies and making up and like ice cream and yeah, that the relief that would come because the build was what was so scary about being in that place and that those are the kind of things that imprint on your mind. Like you have to bring the bad stuff closer and faster so that you can get to like the healing on the other side of that. Like that's a completely messed up message, but it's very deeply imprinted when you've had those kind of experiences.
1: Yes. And then, lest you had a completely conflict avoidant household... That's also a pattern because there's things being swept under the rug and you're not able to discuss things openly and you're not able to admit what's happening. And that is also a pattern that creates toxicity in our relationships as adults. And it's something else that may be less dangerous to you as a kid, but it's still something that you have to first recognize as a pattern. You know, it makes me think of something that Ibram Kendi said Dr. Ibram Kendi, when we interviewed him, said that first you have to, if you want to teach your kids how to be anti-racist in the world, first you have to teach them what's special about who they are and their culture, and then what's special about other cultures that are different from theirs, and then how they're alike. It's your learning as an adult, like, oh, this was special about my family. This was a pattern that was just us. There are other families that discuss their problems openly, maybe even yell at each other at the dinner table, but everybody speaks to each other like you start to realize oh my family was messed up in a very special special way right or even if you don't want to say messed up
0: my family had a specific operating system which is how we functioned which is different than other families yeah i have more to say about that amy we'll be right back
1: margaret i've got a go-to baby shower gift that i give whenever there's another newborn in my life can you guess what it is Amy, three guesses. First two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are
0: dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of
1: parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to Hero.co and use the code MOTHERHOOD at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O oco C-O and code
0: MOTHERHOOD for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. I think the crucial thing to focusing on operating systems is also that a lot of people grew up in extremely functional houses that were conflict-averse or bad situation-averse. So I know I mean, there's been a lot of writing about this, how psychologists, therapists, psychiatrists 50 years ago saw people because it was like, my dad got drunk and beat up my mom every night, right? Like that was the thing they were unpacking. Or I was rejected because I was different gay, you know, whatever it was. And that therapists report more and more Now, seeing people who are like, I grew up in this like blissful bubble, and now the world seems really difficult and complicated to me because I didn't, my pattern was so safe that I don't really understand how to deal with conflict. So it's not just breaking the pattern or identifying the pattern of... I had a traumatic childhood and I need to not replicate that. It's also a little bit of like, I think so many of us, especially people who are listening to parenting podcasts and reading parenting books and trying to do it right, yeah, are pretty aware of like, okay, we're not hitting kids anymore. We're not having, you know, abusive or addicted parents in the house. And like, but it's about knowing it's the famous, I've quoted it before, Foster Wallace's, this is water water." speech, you know, that the fish, the punchline of the speech is that one fish passes two younger fish and says, morning, boys, how's the water? And the two fish turn to each other and they say, what's water? It's like, if you don't know what pattern and system you're operating in... You just don't have the context to know how to change it
1: or if it even needs to be changed. Does that story, just the way you told it just now, made it sound like the fish who said, good morning, how's the water, was older or bigger than the little fish? He's the wise fish. Yeah, the wise fish knows that you're in water, and the younger fish haven't figured that out yet. You have to get to a certain point in adulthood or maturity to even figure this out, I guess, like, oh, that was the way we did things. And then to step out onto the ledge of, I want to do things differently. I mean, entering therapy or deciding you're going to do something about this, or that you are going to do things differently, and not knowing what that means is deeply scary. It can be, I'm going to quote, couples and family counselor Robert Taibbi says that once you step out of your old patterns, especially in important relationships, anxiety floods, and you become hyper alert to the dangers of entering unknown territory. I identify with this, like having been in that moment, like, okay, we need to change. We need to change how we're doing things. But what does that mean, right? I know one way of doing things. Now I'm supposed to do it just like some other way. And it's not as simple as like, just do a 180 and do a completely the opposite. Just hug more. It's not as simple. And so you have to step into this deeply scary, confusing, let's figure this out together place where nothing, where there aren't rules. And there were at least rules around the patterns That you grew up with.
0: Yeah, that's right. And there's a lot of safety. And going back to Dr. Kendi again, it's like being able to say to yourself, what about our lives and the way that we operate is teaching our kids that white people are different than other people? Like, that's a really scary question. Right. And because it makes you feel like, wait, I've done something bad. I've done something racist. I've done something. And that part of it, I think.
1: It's so much scarier in your mind than it is in real life. It ignites these little kid getting in trouble things. I'm quoting Robert Taibbi here that when you address this stuff, these old patterns, you go back to being the little kid in your mind. So the little kid in your mind is going to get in trouble if you admit that you don't absolutely always know what you're doing and you're always a perfect parent and you always have the right answers and admitting that you might need to change is really
0: hard. And I also think that changing is very hard in itself, like admitting you need to change is hard. And then changing, I would argue, is fundamentally impossible. (laughs) But because I think that we think of it as like, okay, we've been building since we were kids, like a little toothpick, you know, tower that we're standing on top of and that like, okay, now it's 78 stories high because this is how we built our toothpick tower because it's all we knew, you know, and that maybe we're trying to relate to our spouse or our kids who are in their own crazy toothpick towers, you know, and that we think that the work is to dismantle that whole tower and meet back on earth. And I I just don't believe in that as a system. I think that what you do is recognize your tower, figure out the places you can shore it up, figure out the places where like you can lower it down to someone else's level or have someone else, whatever, but that you're never going
1: to dismantle your childhood. It's not going to happen. But you aren't a child. Like the I guess where change is possible that you react to a fight with your spouse like you're an eight year old again. Or you react to your eight year old being bratty, like we never even talked about Princess Kate at the Queen's 70th anniversary of being queen or whatever it was when he was being you know really oh gosh he was being pretty bratty in the box right he like thumbed his nose at her and he and she told him to be quiet and he put his hand over his mouth and it was an event that we all read into different things that was adorable that was horrifying whatever you thought it was i looked at that and was sort of like well i would not have gotten away with that right like that would not have flown when I was a kid and it wouldn't have flown with my kid but then to hear the people be like oh it's adorable he's a four year old he's tired he doesn't want to sit there what's the big deal and just to hear like oh you could react to it that way with not like mm. you, right? No, like right. you I would have had that kid like right in the restroom like away from the cameras as quickly as possible that's probably how I would have reacted and that doesn't mean it's right it's just how I would have reacted and to see people being like oh isn't that sweet and indulgent it almost made me mad like that's not sweet and it, like he's misbehaving get that kid in line right my reaction was don't have
0: kids who are going to be on TV when they're four like that was my <laughs> whole reaction Kids, kid I, like, <laughs> I just would never want to be in the position where I was on TV with a four-year-old who like People were judging my parenting, but I do think that's right. Like, and that this is, I'm going to lay a little, my mom on you. Okay. And I believe I've quoted this previously. She, who was a family therapist and did a lot of work in this area would say, which this is what I believe hundred percent. You cannot change Patterns or how you feel about things, but you can always change your behavior. And that's where the difference is to me. I cannot change being triggered by misbehavior like you, right? Mm-hmm. I will always no matter how much work I do on myself, be triggered by my kids misbehaving in public because I have been raised to believe that kids should respect their parents. And when I'm out in public and my kids disrespect me, I feel wronged and slighted and that everyone in the room is taking out like recorders and notebooks and being like, on this date, Margaret's children misbehaved in this way. (laughs) Margaret Abels of the What
1: Fresh Out podcast. Yeah. because The
0: spotlight comes on. I will never lose the instinct that like my kids misbehaving in public is unacceptable and the most horrible thing that could ever happen. I'm relieved to hear you say that. I honestly am. But I can understand that that is my pattern. It's you, right? And then say, I'm not going to stand down and hiss at my kids and be like, if you don't cut it out, I will never buy you ice cream again as long as you live. Because I realize that it's my problem, not their problem. Yeah. And so I can change my behavior. Similarly, right? We were both raised in Irish Catholic families. I mean, we sometimes joke in our family that our family motto is, let's not have a lot of crying at the funeral. Like, it's (laughs) just, we do not, people who express, let's not make a scene at the funeral by having Tears. Okay. Yeah. Like, and then we have an Italian branch of the family, and we were once at a funeral together, and the Italian people were like screaming and yelling and like rending their garments. And I mean, seriously, like the Irish side of the family was like, what is happening right now? You know? And so I can recognize in myself that my instinct is like, strength is the most important thing, emotionality is a negative. And that sometimes when I'm dealing with someone who's having a hard time, I understand that my instinct is always going to be like, suck it up, buttercup. It's not that bad. And like, let's get back to work. That's what will make us feel better. But that I can break that pattern by changing the behavior that I can say, like, let me lean in with this person who's hurting because I know my instinct is to just shove it into the bottle of inner death that I put everything (laughs) in. And like, maybe instead I could... And similarly, when I feel overwhelmed and anxious, I've learned through some help from some therapy friends that anxiety is the cork on the sadness bottle, basically, and that when I start to feel anxious, I need to try to identify what's making me feel sad.
1: Interesting,
0: You know, or out of place. And so I cannot change my instincts, but I can change my behavior. That's, I mean...
1: Solved it, Amy. I like to think of it as sliding a piece of paper in between the reaction or the feeling that I have and the behavior, right? Like I followed rules. I'm a rule follower. I certainly followed rules when I was a kid. I expect my kids to follow rules. This kid is not following rules. My reaction is... Like this cannot stand. Right. And then my behavior would be to, you know, to hiss or whatever, or like drag the kid away, whatever. Can I slide a piece of paper in between my emotional reaction and then what I'm going to do next? Yeah, it's hard to do. But noticing it is important. I think that's right. And I think you can unpack that another step, which is,
0: are there places where I'm feeling angry because I feel that rule followers should get a certain kind of result? like rule followers should get rewarded, right? Like that's something that you were taught as a kid. Like if you check boxes A through D, E comes next. Yes. And that as a human, what you find often is that you check boxes A, B, C, D, and then you get Z or you get nothing or you get A again. And it's like, right. I have a very ingrained feeling that when I... Do right. I should be rewarded, you know, and right. And that's a pattern. And so I think it is worth unpacking all of this stuff to say, what are the beliefs I have? And it, man, it really dovetails with anti-racism stuff. What are the beliefs I have? Mm-hmm. Why do they have them? A lot of these beliefs are maybe morally neutral. They don't mean I'm a horrible person. They just this is the things I was raised. I was raised to believe that, like, good writing is Shakespeare and Mark Twain and, you know, whoever I was raised to believe. Is it possible that, like, I'm not open to some really good writers because I wasn't told they were good writers? And so and do I maybe even have some inherent belief that. Certain people are better writers than others based on things that make no sense. I might, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that I really like this topic. And it's something I think about a lot with pattern breaking because it's not just like my mom hit me. How do I not hit my kids?
1: Right. Because what do I do instead is not clear when it's been imprinted on you. And I think this sort of like it's my turn thing that I think I can sometimes get stuck on as a parent. And I, you know, I don't physically abuse my kids, but I just mean the, I had to sit there. I had to behave. I was raised in a time when, you know, you went to church and you sat nicely in the pew and you weren't like thumbing your nose at your mother. Are you kidding me? Like I would never even consider doing such a thing. And now it's my turn, right? I follow the right. rules Now, my, yes. all this time. Now I, with a look, I'm supposed to just, you know, put this down and My kids did behave in church, whatever. So I don't even know why it bothers me so much. Just like, no, 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 that's not how it's supposed to be. No, no, no. Now I'm on this side and you're supposed to behave. What do you mean you're not going to? I love certainty. I crave certainty. I love, you know, to know what's going to happen next. And I think when something like that unexpected, it just completely unsettles me and it makes me publicly anxious.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. All All
1: right. We'll be right back.
0: And now, classic husband fights. From the What Fresh Hell podcast. The just because you can repeat exactly what I said doesn't mean you were listening fight.
1: What? You were talking about your friend Jane or. I don't know, Jen, the one who is annoying to you in some way. You were talking about her. The why do I have
0: to remember everyone's birthday and shop for them, even though they're on your side of the family fight.
1: Sweetheart, I don't know what kind of sweater my mom would like. The
0: taking apart the dryer because why should we pay someone to fix it when I can do it myself fight. I should have this working by the weekend after next. At the latest, I just got to figure out what part I need. The, why did you bring this home from the grocery store when it's not at all what I asked for, fight. If soy milk isn't real milk, then why does it say milk on it? The,
1: what, I'm supposed to give you a medal for doing six dishes, fight. Knocked out the dishes, hon, except that gross one you did the chicken in, and the one with the eggs from this morning. Uh, I didn't know what you wanted me to do with those. This has been Classic Husband Fights. From the What Fresh Hell Podcast. All right, let's talk about some things to try when we're trying to sort of reset patterns and do things differently. Uh, The first thing is for anxiety that this is Robert Taibbi said, step back from the searching for certainty that usually occurs when you're anxious. Like, let me just get more information on this. Let me just try it again to get the result I think I'm going to get. Let me pound on the vending machine to get the candy to come out because it's supposed to come out when I do a certain thing. And then just understand you're anxious and it's the anxiety that's a problem. It's not the, the vending machine. It's that you're feeling the way you're feeling. Yeah,
0: no, it's huge. And I have had people tell this to me, and I tell it to a lot of people, like my anxiety new go to phrase, this is just what's happening right now. And it's like really helping me like slow down, you know, but what if, you know, the kid who's getting, you know, sixty threes on every math test. And like, believe me, I come from a family of extremely high academic achievers. And I was the low academic achiever in my own family. And I have feelings to unpack about how that made me feel. And I didn't feel, you know, where I didn't fit in because I wasn't, you know, the one who was doing great in school like everybody else. Now I have kids who are struggling with their own grades. And but what if this and what if it and I've got a, you know, sixth grader who is not going to college all of a sudden and slowing down the thoughts and breaking that pattern. And for me, that phrase like this is just what's happening, right? Mm -hmm. This has
1: nothing to do with what's going to happen later. I wish I had heard that in my head this morning. I was going to my daughter's sort of graduation ceremony from school, but I had to go to a doctor's appointment first. Anyway, they kept me, I go to this doctor's appointment often. They kept me waiting 20 minutes. They never keep me waiting at all. Today, of all days, they keep me waiting 20 minutes. Minutes, I'm going to miss the start of this ceremony. I have to see this doctor because I only see this doctor every six weeks, whatever. And I was, and somebody else was waiting too. And he said something, like the doctor is, you know, you will get in as soon as you can. And then ten minutes later, right? That, whenever you get anxious, then you get the, ma'am, ma'am, yes, you, the doctor,
0: and you're like, oh, I'm going to murder you
1: when they get. Meop, meop. They will see you. Right, exactly. But, and then 10 more minutes went by and I was like, you know, and texting my husband like, I'm going to be late. Save me a seat. I was late. He saved me a seat. And I was like, and like, and then eventually I went up. I tried to be nice. I'm sure I was betraying my extreme irritation about this. And, he, you know, he gave me the same answer. It's going to take as long as it's going to take. I was furious, but it didn't make the doctor see me any sooner. And then I was a little late to my daughter saying, and my husband saved me a seat. Like if I could go back and tell myself, I was like that Pixar guy with with, like, the fire coming out of my ears over having to wait 20 minutes. Yeah.
0: Firehead. Yeah. Well, listen, it's easier said than done. I'm not walking through, as you well know, having fed time with Mimi, I'm not walking through the world like just another Zen day in Margaretland, another easy, breezy, beautiful cover girl day in my land.
1: No, I'm not. But I do find that helpful. Karen Young says that you should check your body. And I did in that situation, I did think to myself, this is useless. I'm getting very anxious about this. I know I did in the moment try to talk myself down. I just didn't have your magic words to help me. But she says in those moments, being kept waiting, she would suggest that you're responding to a new situation as if the situation is an old familiar one from when you were powerless and helpless and small. So like, notice how you feel in your body and what are you clenching and what are you holding and what are you tightening and can you relax it? Can you notice like, oh, that's what I do. And I wonder if I've been doing that for decades. Yep. You can release, release the firmly held belief. And certainly you see these patterns. I mean, my
0: mom was famous for not, she wasn't a go along, get along kind of a gal, you know, she was like, and I always remember her like at, um, you know, we would stop at some like roadside diner and it was a bit of a performance art piece of like looking at the spoon. Like it was always just like, oh God, this is a horrible place that I've ended up and I don't like it here. And she was sort of a healthy eater too. It was like a little bit, you know, of a disdain for certain foodstuffs and establishments. And I so, I mean, I do it. I find myself, at some point, my husband forgot to book a room for his college reunion which is again it's beginning of the pattern of like you always mess this up you know and we ended up staying at a wet cigarette smelling motel on like the outskirts of Boston it was pretty bad <laughs> but instead of just being like let's make this a fun adventure I just went right into the like insp- I could feel like that vibe of like touching that this and this. I did a three day performance piece about how upset I was with the motel. And I just couldn't find the brake line in the pattern. I was too mad. I was too whatever. So sometimes your brain gets overridden. But you can also say like, oh, I'm doing this thing that I've learned and been taught, which, believe me, has some good uses, which is, you know, right. Arch disdain for situations. Sometimes it serves me very, very well. Don't eat the poison berries. You did learn a few good things when you were little. And like, putting nonsense in its place was my mom's greatest skill and something that like I hope I have learned from her like not suffering a fool like if we were ever at a you know event where someone was disparaging or being you know racist sexist like my mom could wither somebody and like God bless her but she could also occasionally wither you know her dining companion how unpleased <laughs> pleased she was
1: with the meal right. which I also do. Right. If Prince Louis sat next to your mom, I wanted to see it just like, you know, do that. Yeah. No, that would not have happened. My mom had a,
0: we called it the claw. She just had a hand, mo- like the hand would come over the back of the front seat in this claw like motion that was like, don't make me come back there. I mean, what, I, I don't even know if I can, uh, what do you call that? Not verisimilitude. When you give something, anthropomorphize the hand, you know, like, I don't know what the hand said, but when we saw the hand, sh-
1: Everyone went silent. We were like a little bit giggly and a little bit like, "Oh no, she means it now."
0: Yeah, I, I don't remember. I just remember
1: when the <laughs> claw came back, everything stopped. <laughs> just the world, everything went white. <laughs> you didn't mess with the claw. Karen Young has some advice with kids because we haven't really talked about like, okay, you do want to do things differently. You have kids, you have to manage these big emotions and these triggers that you have. She says it's okay to ask for space and time. The example she says is, I am not happy with the way you hurt your sister. I need to think about what happens next, Mm. which I think is great advice, except I've tried to do this like when you're triggered and so is your kid when your kid is really like dysregulated and they're kind of, you know, like they're coming after you with all their distress and you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, I just need, let me just go in the other room for a minute. I need a little separate and need you. That's not the moment where you can be like, let me just take a little break to think about what happens next. Doesn't always work. And all of this stuff is like recognize patterns, break them when you can.
0: It's not like, oh, hey, tomorrow you're going to wake up and be a completely relaxed person, Amy, who just doesn't care how things come out and doesn't care if there's a mess on the counter. It's like that's what I mean. And I think sometimes we make that the goal. Like, I have to be this completely other person. And I remember right. early in my marriage having some fights with my husband where he would say in a kind of hilarious way, but he wasn't even trying to be funny. Like... I just think you're saying that you wish you were married to a completely different kind of a person. And have you met
1: me? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, like, have you met me? Exactly. And I don't think it went great at the time, but like, respect to him for being able to say that because it's true. Like you can't get pizza from a Chinese restaurant, as Aunt Terry says. And like you can't, you are a Chinese restaurant, you can't get pizza
1: from yourself, you know? Yeah. You can't be other than you are. Lisa Damore, who we've had on the show, she talks about, I was just listening to, she spoke at my kid's high school over Zoom. But anyway, I was just watching the video playback. So good. And she says that uh, mental health, the definition of mental health is having the right feelings at the right times, by which she means you're allowed to have negative emotions. You're allowed to be, you know, cry, yell this, be angry, Have them at the right times and not carry into like if I was mad, this doctor's appointment kept me waiting for 20 minutes. And then I like, you know, blow up at my husband who was nice enough to save a seat for me an hour and a half later. That's not really the right emotion at the right time. I think that's what she's getting at. And but that you're allowed to have emotions. Like you always say it's behavior. You can feel however you want, but you may not hit your sister. That's the message to bring to our kids if we came from a pattern where certain emotions weren't safe to have or to display, certainly, that we can let our kids know they can have all the emotions they want. They just need to go to their room. They just can't hit their sister.
0: And that you occasionally do have emotions that don't fit, right? That's my kid being like, sometimes I feel sad (laughs) for no reason. I'm like, yeah, welcome to being a human kid. Get used to it. Sometimes I feel I wake up anxious, right? Everybody does that. Your emotions don't. Oh, sometimes you're at a wedding and it's making you feel really sad or cringe or whatever it is, you know, and I think. Yes. And and I, but I do think that maybe sometimes those are the times to and I think also, again, going back to this pattern breaking that was patterns that don't seem that negative. Uh, some people were raised in families where presenting as happy and being happy and being a happy family yeah. was top of the triangle. Right. And that's a whole thing to unpack. Right. That like presenting as the people, I mean, that's why I look, I see the royal so opposite. I'm like, those poor people, like, I look at her and I'm like, good for her for not, like, insisting that her kids, like, act like crazy automatons in public, you know, because yeah, I think... Right, talk about patterns to break. Right. Like, the idea of, like, a four-year-old is supposed to sit there and be like, I am really enjoying this performance by Elton John. <laughs> like, no, you're not. You're four and you're bored to death. But that's a different kind of a pattern, right? That, like, It is the most important thing that everyone where we live think we are the happiest family in the world, no matter what's going on behind the scenes, right? Like, that's a whole other pattern that is, and I mean, let me say that everybody has that pattern to some degree. Nobody's putting their trash out in the street every night, right? Like, everybody has had the experience of, like, there is something going on that is secret and then we're not allowed to talk about, but those kind of patterns are, they're pernicious and sneaky in a way that maybe like bigger things may seem a little more obvious then.
1: Maybe knowing that it's universal, that this is something that everybody's dealing with, it will help some of us that have, you know, guilt and shame about these patterns that we're trying to overcome just to feel like we're a little bit less alone and that you can make steps toward it. You can sort of put in new behaviors and you're not a bad person if you don't get it all completely right every single day. We often
0: say, Amy, there's a phrase that emerges for me. There's a phrase of the year, right? Every year. Yeah. One year it was double-edged sword. I can't remember what some of my other phrases of the year, but usually just about this time, my phrase emerges. And I hadn't really thought about it, but I now know what my phrase of the year is. What is it? And it is morally neutral. That's my phrase of the year. Okay. It really has like taken over my whole life,
1: this idea of like, oh, mess is morally neutral. Right, that Casey Davis told us.
0: Mess is morally neutral. I also was working with a therapist on some OCD behaviors that I have, touching and repeating patterns to make me feel safe and in control. And she said, Okay, but those things are morally neutral. Like there's nothing wrong with expressing your anxiety by touching the doorknob three times. It's morally neutral. You're bringing the shame to it.
1: It's not a pattern, Because right, you're not affecting anybody else negatively by touching the doorknob. But I am bringing to it, like this is a very yeah. shameful and secret thing that I do. That The fact that I have to
0: touch the doorknob makes me a crazy nutty person who's not deserving of love, you know? Like I'm <laughs> bringing that to it. Right, 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 right. And just to have somebody say like, Food is morally neutral. Your house being clean is morally neutral. And I think to a large degree, your operating system is morally neutral. Now, if your operating system is making you abusive to somebody or making you act out against yourself, you know, but it's okay to look at your operating system as like, okay, everybody has a way that they do things. Nobody is not doing anything. Nobody's just going through their life at normal. And so you have an operating system that involves maybe, you know, more control than some and wanting to control outcomes than some. Certainty, yeah. Mm -hmm. I have an operating system that's maybe more freeform, but like is also, there's a sort of anxiety rat in a maze at the very center of it that's making me touch things and feel really nervous, even though I may present as a little bit more like loosey-goosey. My husband has an operating system where he turtle shells when trouble comes along, right? Like (laughs) everybody has an operating system. And so it's not that like your family was wrong. Other families were right. Your family was neutral. Other people's were doing crazy things. Everybody has an operating system. And that gives us the permission to be to be like, this is let me look at this as a morally neutral thing. Right. I figure out what my patterns are and see which behaviors those
1: patterns are causing that I can change. It's morally neutral, but it's also one way of being. That's right. Your default setting is your default setting. It's not human beings default settings. And so recognizing how you are different from other people is useful as a way in, but not something to feel bad about every second of every day, I guess. (laughs) Agree. Solved it. Solved it. This is interesting. I mean, we went deep in this one. Yeah. No, I
0: I really enjoyed this conversation. I hadn't, as you all know, prepped very much for this conversation. And yet I really felt it uh, was useful. You don't have to join a cult. You can just join
1: our Facebook group.
0: (laughs) I'm going to join the cult of Amy. That's what I'm going to do. You start a cult and I'll just join it. Okay, I will. Sounds good. Speaking of things you can join, have you joined our Facebook group? It's not a cult. No. It's just a bunch of really nice moms giving each other helpful advice. Some dads as well. I'm going to say it. Yep. Parents of all stripes parents of all stripes. You can find that at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash what fresh Hellcast and tell a friend tell a friend to come listen learn and enjoy Amy, right? That does sound like a cult, but just you know, in a really low-key way. (laughs) No, it's slightly cult-like. It's slightly cult-like, but we don't take any of your money, so it's fine. And with that, we'll talk to you
1: next week. Talk to you next week. Thanks. Bye-bye.
2: Margaret, it's an exciting news day.
1: An exciting news day indeed, Amy. A few years ago, we launched our first spinoff podcast, Toddler Purgatory, hosted by the hilarious Blair Brooks and Molly Lloyd.
0: And guess what? Now Blair and Molly are back